Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. It's my name is Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh, my God. Mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick. Not I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games. Let a war. War games. You are impressionist. I have, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like a dog. dog. <laughs> oh, 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 jinx. Holy shit. How did that actually happen? Here we go. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent and waste talent we do not hear on the top of wrestling. Welcome back. I am the Professor Mark Fantasia, and we are ready to go for today's episode because we're back with another great top topic. One that took us a little bit of time to really uh, narrow down some of the very best of the best, and it is the top 25 heel turns of all time. As you know, we love to talk about wrestling and we like to talk about movies. I mean, take a look at our, our logo, Nuff Said, which is original, by the way, in case y'all didn't know that, Hermanos. But last week's movie was the Lethal Weapon Saga, if you didn't catch it. So it could have been anything one through four. I know that we sprinkled a little bit in of each one. Uh, but you know what? If we're going to start talking movies, we're going to really get into this. I got to get ODM in here. What's going on, man? How are you? Professor? Would you become a brain surgeon overnight? <laughs> nice. I like that. Oh, man. Dude, hats off to, to you, ODM. It was your idea to continue this movie uh, tradition that we had going since season two. And now that we're in season three, it's more of just... They all kind of coincide with each other, right? I mean, you have your scripting, you got your storylines, you got funny shit, you got bad shit, you got things that make you cry. We talk about all that stuff here in wrestling and in movies. Last week, after I get done editing our show, I'm going to throw on Lethal Weapon 3. It just seems fun. It's just such a good one with the dum-dum wound and all that stuff. Right. First of all, the guy that they're chasing in the beginning of the movie who goes through the windshield and he says, uh, you have the right to remain unconscious. Anything you say won't be much. Yeah. Love when he he punches him in the face. He goes, back to bed. But <laughs> it's Rip's brother from No Holes Barred, man. Oh, it's, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. He's, that's him. I, I was When I saw him, I go, well, that just worked out well. But the second thing is Danny Glover riding in the other vehicle with the lady who like <laughs> is like a security guard or bank. The, you just it, tell she's him. She's singing. <laughs> oh, my God. Name, but yeah. the... Yeah. And then uh, I'm a happily married man. Yeah, but is it worth it? <laughs> She's fucking awesome. I forgot about her. I just had to bring it back up because that was that's an unsung scene. I feel like oh, that's it goes a, for the a whole great movie. One. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Then she shows up later. Oh my god, what were you two up to while I was at work? <laughs> uh, so this week we are we do have a new movie. We'll see if anybody can figure it out along the way. You know what? Some are, are going to be a little easier to catch than others. This one, we'll find out how fast people can be on this one. But 
It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'll even say this right now, something I even used to quote in Promo Wars. Ah. I actually opened with the line, the saddest thing in life is a waste of talent and the working man is a sucker. Yeah. I was talking about you in that promo, but not necessarily the movie. <sighs> All right, man. I don't want to necessarily go from an, a very, very happy mood to very somber, but you know, do you have deja vu or is it me? I really feel like, was it not like a year ago we were like, wow, well, let's talk about everything that happened on April 15th. What a motherfucker. And then I, I see that it was like one year since the uh, the Black Wednesday. And you're like, wow, I can't believe that. And then, hours later, they did it again. Same day, one year later. <sighs> All right, first, before you even give us the names, what was your thought that it was the same exact date? Pretty fucked I'm kind of curious on your uh, thought. I'm guessing right. I'm completely talking out of my ass. I'll have to talk to the wifey. She's got some business knowledge. If I were a gambling man, I think this is just about post end of first quarter. Right? I mean, obviously, you know, beginning of April is, you know, the second quarter of the year. But uh, from a financial standpoint, I think this is a Q2 move. Uh, as they perhaps may say in business. So, yeah, man, it's okay. fucked up. The list isn't as long, and COVID's Thank already God. been going on, you know, for well over a year now. So, you know, uh, I it's just one of those things. It's I, I feel like this is talent that they signed because they were either, you know, somebody like Mickey James and Samoa Joe or, or, or name recognition, but the others, it's you're not working anywhere else, so we'll just keep you here and not do anything with you which is pretty standard fare for the WWE. Speaking of, like, with just those two names alone, but we'll just talk with the first of them. Samoa Joe was on WrestleMania night one. Yep. And another person who's on here was actually in a match as well, Billy Kay. Who else was, all right, go through the list, please. All right, so Samoa Joe, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Mickey James, Tucky, Cal- oh, that's Tucker in case you didn't catch it, uh, Kalisto, Chelsea Green, Mojo Rawley, Wesley ba- Blake, and Bo Dallas. I do want to say one thing with Tucker I saw on Twitter. He posted a picture. It was him on a golf course uh, in some really bad, like, loud golf-type clothing, uh, and it said something like, I think the caption was something like, finally free, and he was smoking a joint. Now, you may say, how do you know it was a joint? It could have been a cigarette. <laughs> to those of you who are not familiar, when you look at a picture, if you saw somebody smoking a joint or smoking a cigarette, they burn completely different. It's very distinct. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context for you. You're talking about good movies, good flicks. And Half-Baked, the Was scene, it how he was holding it, too? Uh, no, no, not so much. Uh, but in Half-Baked, uh, you know, Chappelle talks about, you know, they weren't allowed to smoke weed. On the set. And you can tell when they're smoking a joint that they're not smoking a joint. Just by the way it's burning, you can tell. But there's one scene with Snoop Dogg, and they do a close-up of Snoop smoking. Our expert, ladies and gentlemen. That is a joint. That The way that motherfucker burns, that's a joint. So you know Snoop just rolled up in there and said, fuck you, I'm smoking, I don't give a fuck. That's what it looked like. That picture of Tucker, that's what it looks like. That dude's smoking a joint on the golf course. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Good for him. And... 
perfect. You know, that, that you, your explanation of all this is great because we are coming <laughs> off the heels of 420. Anyway. Um, hey, hey, I got I got two educations, one from the street and one from school. That way I'd be twice as smart as everybody. Boom. Wow. He came swinging. Wow. What? Wait. What's your Colodrado? We gotta fucking change that name. <laughs> yeah. What do your friends call, call you? you? From now on, what do your friends call you? Collegro. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You know what though? Mickey Mantle. He's never gonna. Ah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's really get into this thing here with, with that list of people. Yeah. All right. It's interesting to me with. All right, Mickey James, I get it. Sure. She came in roughly around this time a couple years ago and was a opponent for Asuka in NXT. And I think that she did such impressive work, they kept her around a little longer. That's a guess. A guess. Meanwhile, her husband, Nick Aldis, is still in NWA. So I've been waiting for her to walk away from WWE and get back with whatever is going on over there. But the name that in that really intrigues me the absolute most, the two, Bo Dallas and Samoa Joe. I don't... Now, first of all, last year you fired his father. This year you get Bo. Right? Taxman. The Taxman was fired last year on Tax That's Day. Tax That's right. Day. We talked about yeah. that. You, in so many ways, could have used Bo in so many ways with the, the whole Bray Wyatt thing. In any way possible. How did you not? Like, it bothers me. You just left people sitting there. Now, someone like Samoa Joe... And people are flooding to Twitter and talking about it. Jim Cornette talks about it. Uh, Renee Paquette, Moxley's wife, Renee Young, uh, formerly of WWE, said, how do you drop the ball on someone like Samoa Joe? Injuries aside. The funniest message or tweet that was out there was between Samoa Joe and CM Punk, where they referenced Chappelle's show. And he said... I, I can't remember 100% how Punk started it, but Joe said they never should have gave me money, and they were putting up, like, gifts or memes back and forth of that whole Chappelle show thing. So I look at it a couple of ways. I've been really trying to break down that because they're being very uh, cryptic with whatever they're saying on that, but the way I look at it is... They should have never gave me money, man. They sat me on a shelf for a full year, and all I had to do was talk. I didn't hurt my body once. Probably in good shape right now, ready to go. And they just kept paying me loads of money. Because, you know, you get a guaranteed salary. Punk has been ever known as a frugal person with his money, right? Like, he didn't have, like, sports cars. He had a, he had a piece of shit car because he's on the road 300 days a year. Joe, much of the same. So, I think that's where they were going with that whole they never should have gave me money thing. But, man, someone made a fan-made type thing. I won't even give credit to anybody. It was just scrolling by, and it said, All Out in Chicago. Joe Punk, one more time. What do you think? And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm in. Oh, my God, I'd be in for it. Would it happen? Probably not. I don't know. But 
Where all right, I, I got to get your opinion on Joe, man. Where, what happens here? What where does he go from here? Is he done? Does he retire? Is he going to be heading to another company? What's your take? Yes, yeah, so, as he takes a swig of so, beer. <laughs> well, well, I wanted to get the next can. I was trying to time it, so you know I'm going to need a beer. Um, so listen, we don't. We honestly don't know. Listen, we're used to the Daniel Bryan speech, the Edge speech, right? Um, the Ric Flair retirement. Joe may be done, and he's just not telling anybody. You know what I mean? He might. He seems like the kind of guy that would just keep that shit to the to the chest. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Nobody's. Vince is gonna be the only one that knows, and I'm just gonna take what they give me. And when they let me go, they let me go. It, it could be that. I'm just speculating, but you got to think about that as a viable a viable option. Uh, another thing, let's not forget that Samojo was their best commentator, hands down. The dude is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to reference Cornette show. A, I was uh, sad he wasn't on night two of WrestleMania. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Uh, maybe that's why <laughs> I was like, maybe that's why I night like, one well, was so good. Again? Maybe that's why night one was so good. Cause he was on commentary. Um, that could be. He, uh, yeah, it, it really stinks. Um, he, uh, I was listening to Cornette and he, Cornette was telling a story about, you know, Joe had made a comment. I don't know if it was in a promo at TNA, or just in reference to his years there, but he said, uh, yeah, I suffered a case of bad booking. Uh, and that seems to be, I mean, you know, obviously he got a lot of highlights in ROH and TNA a lot more than he did in WWE, but he should have been a champ. As soon as he came in and attacked Seth Rollins, he should have been right in the title picture. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think, you know, and, and you can't even say it's because of Brock, because if Brock wasn't there, he probably still wouldn't be in that picture. Uh, but he certainly deserved it. He is a great worker. He looks realistic, realistically threatening, but he's very well educated. He speaks well. He cuts promos with passion, with great words. You know that I, I still say that promo with um, Paulie dangerously. That's all I come up, Paul Heyman, where he puts him in the corner and puts the yeah. mic down, but it's still Mike, and he whispers to him, and then he chokes him out. I think that's the only bump Heyman's taken in like the last ten years. Um, Obviously, the default is AEW. I, yes, but no. If you do a match with Punk and you one off it, fine. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, he's he's not going to do anything. So put they him in, draw it, the best pay per view buys ever. It would and Samoa Joe as a one off WWE and go. Look at me, I did this to you. Remember me. You're welcome. I kind of sure. Yeah. But here, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, here's something else I will say though about Joe, is that okay? Yeah, like he didn't have a stellar WWE career. They treated him well in NXT. You're yeah. right. He could have been skyrocketed as soon as he came up. As soon as he did come up, you know, he was he won that fatal five way. Before heading into the Great Balls of Fire pay per view to fight uh, Brock Lesnar, right? And I was like, "Oh my God, WWE gets Joe. They get him. They let him win. He beat Bray Wyatt, uh, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and one other guy. I can't remember who it was, but I mean, like right. maybe Braun Strowman or something like that. It was a big and match. His, and, right, and when yeah. Joe went over, yeah, as soon as Joe went over, I was like, "Oh my God, this is it. This is the chance." And he got squashed in like eight minutes against Lesnar. I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? But at the same point, it's just... I'd like to see him have at least a, a match or two somewhere else rather than, wait, he retired? 
well, what was his last match? Now I want to go back and see which one it was. Wait, it's on Raw against Kalisto? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Maybe that's kind of where I'm going with it. And, and here's the thing. It's like women, you only get three greats in your life. Joe is a great wrestler. It, it, it's They only come along every ten years. Yeah, and I bet you he's the kind of person that reaches over and unlocks the door for you. You mean the Mario test? <laughs> Fuck Mario. He's a fucking psycho. <laughs> you give her the door test, and if that girl doesn't reach over and unlock yeah, that door, dump her. Yeah. Dump her? Dump her. Yeah. It was I will say, the Mario test is kind of intriguing. What you do is you get a girl and you ride up right along one of those big 18-wheeler trucks, right? You grab her by the back of her head, you shove her down, get her right down near your dick. If she goes down on you, no problem. In front of that trucker, she's a pig and she can't be trusted. <laughs> I can love that. I'm like, that's your test. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why they call it the Mario test, right? He's <laughs> a fucking psycho. <laughs> All right, man. What else is going on in news? Anything decent? Anything better than releases? Well, I heard uh, there was something with uh, my uh, with my one of my favorite people, Logan Paul and Jake Paul. I saw a story about he had a boxing match and actually did well. I don't know. Maybe you can shed some insight, Mister Boxing Man. Man walks into a bar. His name is a Professor. Walks in, takes a look around. It's pretty busy. Bars like twenty feet from the house. Gonna go have a beer. I'm sorry, sir. I uh, just want you to know it is gonna be ten dollars to watch tonight's fight if you are gonna have a drink here. I swear to God, I didn't even know there's a fight tonight. And I go, who's fighting? She goes, oh, I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> so I pull out the old Google machine. I look down. Logan Paul, and I go, isn't this the motherfucker that was just on WrestleMania? Now, for a moment, I thought it was the guy that beat Nate Robinson, but that's his brother, Jake. Either way, they both look like equal douchebags. Mm-hmm. But I look down and I go, huh, I'm not really sure I feel like doing this. So I go, can I have a minute? She goes, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I go, I'll have a beer first and, I, and I'll think about it. And I, I just go to Wrestling Inc. to see if anything's being said at all. Punk says, don't take Ben Aslick or whatever his name is. It was like Aslack or something like that. I'm not even sure. Um, don't take him lightly. And I was like, oh, so I could stay for a knockout. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you $10. I'm in. I'll stay. I'll be here and I'll watch this. And Frank Mir, remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frank Mir yeah. uh, was in a fight right before it. No shit. Um, and then after that, um, if you're a believer, Justin Bieber got up and sang for like 20 fucking minutes and made me want to punch myself in the face repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, here are your commentators for the fight. If this tells you the prestige of Logan Paul's fight. I saw one of them. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Mario Lopez, oh my God. Pete Davidson. Uh, Everyone was holding joints and blunts in their hands. Yeah. I got to say, kind of fun, but again, taken away from the prestige of boxing is a boxing fan. Was Mario Lopez smoking? No, he was not there for the main uh, event. Okay. He was there for the matches before. Okay. And it was funny. Oh, my God. One of them, a guy was in the corner getting his head like just beaten in, and the bell rings, and they go, Haha, Mario, I guess you was saved by the bell. And I go, can I get a shot over here? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> I Jesus, need to catch up horrible. to these guys. <laughs> right? So 
Logan Paul comes out and I go, all right, dude, everyone in this bar is literally talking about they want to see him get his head bashed in. And doesn't Logan Paul fucking win? Yeah. He knocks this dude out in like less than two minutes, I believe. Um, It was pretty unreal and then he goes on and just starts crying because it was his first win ever actually i think that was jake i think that was jake paul that's the jake paul i'm pretty sure it was jake paul logan fought this past weekend no i think it was jake yeah i i confuse that's that's my fault my apologies that is confusing now anyway but here's the thing the guy that he knocked down all right he took a hit he got up, and the ref was, like, checking on him, and then the ref called for it. They made the mistake of showing this dude backstage walking afterwards with a hot chick by his side, and he's just ear-to-ear grinning, and I go, he just got his money. That was a lay-down fucking fight. It was a bullshit fight for Jake, Logan, Paul, whoever the fuck it was. Go back and look this up. This dude was walking ear-to-ear, just smiling. Not like he got knocked out, like he got hurt, couldn't continue, just smiling. I go, yep, just got his payday. Just took one to the jaw. That's all he needed to do. Yeah, it's Jake Paul. Which one was it? It's uh, Jake Paul. Yeah. And it's, it shows him a picture okay. sitting on his front lawn with, I'm guessing, I actually, I don't know who it is, with a bunch of money just holding it up. Um, and it's funny, when I Googled this, I just Googled Jake Paul. One of the first things that came up, and this is like, listen, these are rich kids. I think he was like a child actor. He was on the Disney Channel. And um, so, like, they're one of those, they're like the Kardashians. They're like the YouTube version of the Kardashians. But one of the things that comes up when you uh, Google Jake Paul is an article from hmm. Sports Illustrated with Jake Paul's picture saying, boxing isn't dead, it's being suffocated. So, yeah. So, fuck him again. Did you hear that uh, he also diagnosed himself with, like, CTE or some shit? Do you see that? Yeah, he, yeah, he really I, did. He became a brain surgeon, and then he had to re- he had to redact his statement. Yeah, which is amazing that you started that. That is so perfect. <laughs> oh man, but hey, let's talk about something positive because fuck that. I can't believe I walked into a bar. Actually, I made the joke to the bartender after I go, "I want my ten dollars back." <laughs> I thought, yeah, no shit, right? I thought you were going to tell him my favorite bar joke is, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say there's one more part to this. I. Uh, during Justin Bieber's like 20 minute performance as I'm sitting there, one dude didn't make it to the bathroom and he threw up on the ground. What? And I go, God damn, he's an amazing Justin Bieber fan. Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, the pictures of the girls on the 60s screaming for the Beatles and this guy's throwing up in the corner. He's so excited. <laughs> At a sports <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the other thing? That you oh no, were I was just up? gonna say. I thought when you when I saw you know in the notes you wrote, a uh, man walks into a bar. I thought you were gonna tell my favorite bar joke, which is a priest, a pedophile, and an alcoholic walk into a bar. That's just the first guy. <laughs> Season one throwback. Wow. Whew. Well, I know I sent you the YouTube link. I had to send it to you. The WWE is going to be airing a special this coming summer, I believe it is. Vladimir, the superfan. 
Now, we all remember this dude. If you remember any show from Madison Square Garden. You've seen him at least once. Sometimes in the surrounding areas. He was in ECW a lot. He was at a lot of the shows. Big bottle cap looking glasses, shaved head, usually wearing a tank top. And the same part of this documentary was was crazy is that was it was me when I was a kid. How the fuck is this guy going to every show? And I wasn't the only one speculating. People were like, oh, he's got to be a fan. Or he's got to be a friend of someone. He's got to be working backstage. And people were like, no, he's just a fan. And it's cool because you see Diesel, not Nash, obviously, but Diesel on the way to the ring. And he goes, what's up, Vlad? Like, everybody just knew him. He's hugging Sid when Sid beats Michael. I saw that, yeah. uh, Survivor Series 96. I remember that vividly because he was like, yeah. And I I still remember him doing it. The best line of this entire trailer, if you cut me open, you would see wrestling in my blood. I was like, oh, shit. Or I believe wrestling, something like that. And I was like, wow. And from things like the pandemic, you have taken away his livelihood, everything that he's ever loved. He is a super fan. I'm excited about this documentary. I think this is going to be probably one of the best things that they've put together. And I'm so glad because I'm 37 years old and I've been wanting to know for a long time who that dude is. So thank you. Next documentary is the bowl cut kid. <laughs> Next documentary is going to be, well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you got Vlad the super fan, but then you want, you know, and then you, you know, on the, uh, you know, the uh, lower rate show, they'll do green shirt, brown hat guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could also do the, we hate Cena guy. I mean, this could be a, a pretty good series yeah. going down the line. You know what I would do is I would love to he- just hear from the, the mainstays of ECW. Those guys who were always in the front row. That's who I would love to listen oh, to. Oh, God, that'd probably be some real crazy stories. How many of them got pissed on by Sandman or, you know, whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. Going home just definitely reeking of beer no matter what and cigarette smoke. Yep. Oh, the good days. The good old days. <laughs> Let's talk about them shits. What else you got news? All right, uh, so Roderick Strong, air quotes, resigns from NXT uh, hands in his papers to William Regal, and William Regal goes, "Hey, you know, even all the shit you caused with the UE, you're welcome back here anytime." Uh, this is obviously more than likely kayfabe. He's unfortunately probably going to the main roster. Um, I hope not, but yeah. well, I think that's what it is. It's more of an angle of maybe he's a free agent, though. Now we know that he's resigned from NXT. Now there's just gonna be speculation: when and where does he show up? They kind of deal with. Like Keith Slater when he got undrafted. Uh, but it's a different approach, I feel like, than them just showing up the night after WrestleMania, which, by the way, worst. I didn't watch. Worst, 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 worst Raw after Mania ever. Nothing happened. Nothing. Just the Viking Raiders came back. Yeah, but and who did they that beat? The I remember only... I was... I was kind of pissed off. I'm like, wait a minute. You haven't done shit with the Viking Raiders, and now you put them up against a team that's halfway decent, and uh, they must not be that decent because I can't remember who the hell it was. Um, <laughs> I'm over here like, I don't know. <laughs> but no, and let me tell you. you but here's, here's the thing. You know, with the Viking Raiders, either you love them or you fear them. Is it better to be feared or loved? They were awesome as War Machine in NXT. I dug them, but. Yeah, beyond that. They were better. No, War Machine was Ring of Honor. War Raiders Raiders. was NXT. And then they said, 
The Minnesota Viking Raiders. The Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, so we'll jump to we'll jump to this one because, um, you know, they sh- obviously Joe's gone and they've shuffled around the commentary team. Michael Cole's gone to SmackDown. Uh, Raw has a new lead commentator, and it's Adnan Verk. He's horrible. He's absolutely terrible, man. And apparently, he came from ESPN, so he can call sports, but he can't call wrestling. He was horrible. I mean, Graves was carrying his. What was ass. his contract worth? It, what's his contract worth versus Samoa Joe's? <laughs> like, like whether like all right, we got that. But then, hang on, that's not the also the only new commentator we have. SmackDown's newest commentator, Pat McAfee. Oh yeah. So you're gonna bring in Pat McAfee, but you're letting go Samoa Joe. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. But Pat McAfee put him in the fucking bathroom. (laughs) Now you now you can't leave. Now you can't. No 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 no. Frankie Coffee Cake. I don't want him looking at him. (laughs) Throw him in the fucking bathroom. (laughs) Your money's not touching mine. You're a fucking jinx. Uh, But speaking of good commentators, yeah, I see you got a really good piece of news here about a man I haven't seen really call anything wrestling wise in a minute. Yeah, I saw it I saw the first time I saw it, I thought it was a fan thing. Like, you know, fan like a fan put something yeah. together. And then I saw it a couple more times through the day and I'm like, I'm not falling for this. And then finally I'm like, all right, let me find it somewhere <laughs> legitimate. I'm like, holy shit. Omega it, we've we've been I'm not falling for the Mauro Ornello on the tailpipe. <laughs> right? I ain't falling I ain't falling for no Mauro Ornello. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, we we we've been talking about it since you know the announcement of the partnership, which honestly, let's be honest, kind of flat. Well, well that's a different story altogether. Who gives uh, a fuck? Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you, you got to think Eric Bischoff. Yeah, you, exactly. Right. You you got to think Omega's taking it and Ronaldo calling it. I think he'll just bring you know a little something a little bit extra. Uh, you know, Swan's a good wrestler. I mean, his in ring work is good. I mean. You know, but let's be honest. There's no way Omega's not taking this unless it's like a schmaz or a DQ or something like that. If I were Impact, because I did see that they put out a uh, a tweet, "Hey Joe, the door's open," something like that. He's got a 90 day no complete no compete cause, right? Like everybody else, make it schmaz. Have Joe come in, take the title. Now you put Kenny versus Joe title for title. Now people give a shit. Now people give a fuck. Right now, nah, you're right. I mean, like, no one's going to buy the the Rebellion pay-per-view just to see what they're going to be able to look up online. Oh, Omega won the title as I thought he was going to? Okay. Yeah, right. This is a good opportunity. Make it a schmoz. Get Joe in there somehow. That's what I would do. If not, then I would put Joe in Ring of Honor and hope for the best there and maybe see if he can help revive that company but and you know what uh, he could do the muscle buster that's true because he won't be in wwe yeah well yeah so not much on news i mean we got releases we got yeah i mean not a whole lot this week that really happened but that's all right because we got an action-packed show and i already know that there's some things i want to do first i want to bring something to the table Just bring it, bitch! Oh my god! This past Sunday night, Twitter was blowing up with a bunch of different wrestlers talking about A&E's biography of Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
everybody's saying, well, it was extremely well done. James Storm being one of them, uh, just a couple of people I saw, and I was like, hmm, so it's got to be good. I mean, I was like, it's going to be good, but what stories haven't I heard from about this guy's career? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know it all. Yeah, man, they did some in-depth work on this show. First, let me ask you, ODM, did you get to watch it? I did not. All right. Well, spoiler alert: he breaks his neck in SummerSlam '97. What? No. When the hell did that happen? What? There is a great part of this documentary that, after he was ringmaster, he went to WWE, and they were like, "Well, yeah, if you can figure out a name for yourself." Here's a, here's something I never knew that his wife handed him a cup of coffee yeah. and said, "Drink it before it gets stone, stone cold." cold. Yeah. Never knew that part. Mm-hmm. But his possible ring names. And they had multiple people that they were interviewing. Baron Von Freeze. Uh, yep, that was one of them. Uh, Fang McFrost yep. and Chili McFreeze. Yeah. <laughs> and what's great is that they interview Undertaker, they interview The Rock, uh, McFoley, all these guys. And it's funny because how they did it in copy here, Fang McFreeze. Oh, God, Fang McFreeze. Like each guy saying it like they knew about it. And Foley goes, I can't remember my own list. He goes, because I remember the list they gave to Austin and how bad it was. Um, they went The broken neck segment, of course, is, you know, we've seen it a bunch of times. They had a little bit more backstage kind of stuff. Um, he talks a little bit more about the paralyzation, how he couldn't even move his hands. And if you watch how he was crawling mm-hmm. on his elbows and stuff, like, um, it was you know, obviously pretty bad. But. I always thought that it was, all right, we've all heard the story that he had a damn near heart attack, son. Not a full heart attack. He had just basically an anxiety attack or with all the caffeine and everything that he had had because he was dehydrated. The night before WrestleMania 19, he said, he's like, I was drinking three bottles of wine a day and I was also, uh, you know, always having like two pots of coffee. He goes, I was just dehydrated. He goes, I got shaky. I felt like I was having a heart attack. We've all heard that story. Then he goes on, does the match, retires. I thought that was the reason he retired is he was like, that's it. That's the the moment. Long before that even happened, he went to Vince and said, I know this is my time. And he chose The Rock to retire him. And they were going to do it quietly so no one would ever know. I thought it was the aftermath of 19 that made him go, that was my last match. Or when he got there, he told everybody, this, or told Rock, this is my last match. It had been planned months in advance that it was going to be his last match, but then all that shit happened right around the same time. Um, awesome, awesome moment just hearing, because you've seen it where Rock pushes uh, Earl Hebner away after he pins him, and he's talking to Stone Cold. It's an awesome moment. I'm not going to spoil all of it for you there, but it was great documentary if you have not watched it. Uh off to a great start with A&E's stuff. You got the hidden treasures that's going to be out there that uh, Nightwing mentioned last week. And I believe next week's biography, Roddy Piper. I'm in. This is the stuff. Hey, we got some good shit we're going to be talking about finally. This is good. And don't forget Dark Side of the Ring two-hour premiere on Brian Pillman. Oh, my God. That's true. Dude, I saw a, uh, what do you call it, a sneak peek. Moxley talking about Nick Gage and their fight and how he has he brings out a pizza cutter, like the rolling kind of pizza yeah, cutter. Yeah, yeah. 
And Moxie's like, yeah, I thought you were just going to you know, nick me and I would, you know, sell it or whatever. He goes, nope. Proceeded to just keep slicing across my head. And they show it. And I'm like, oh, my God, he does it in his mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they go, it just goes black. And I go, oh, I can't wait for Dark Side of the Ring. I'm getting so excited for this, man. Last year, well, you Benoit, you had uh, Road Warriors, Road Warriors Owen Hart. Awesome. It was, yeah. A, it, yeah. we were like, how are you going to follow up? You're starting with a two-hour Pillman premiere. I'm in. Yep. What are you bringing to the table? All right, man. Uh, Dax Harwood. Dax Harwood. We always talk about FTR, the Revival, whatever you want to call them. We always talk about them as being the best tag team in the world. I don't really think that's in dispute. You can definitely come up you know, maybe with some contenders, but let's be honest. They're up there. Best uh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the Bucks, but I guess. the yeah. oh, God. Um, Here's the thing. <laughs> Not to take anything away from uh, Cash. Nothing, not to take anything away from Cash. Uh, Dax Harwood might be one of the best in-ring competitors as far as a technician today. Uh, he'll do a flip if you need him to. You know, if it works its way, you know, if, if it's part, if it makes sense, if it's part of the match, he can do it and he'll make it look good. But he took an aging Chris Jericho the other night and made him look like a million bucks. So... He's an Arn Anderson man. Yeah. Every time I see him in the ring, he reminds me of Arn Anderson. And it's not just the the brain busters or four horsemen kind of comparison. He is a ring general. He's great. And yeah, he can't have a bad match. Even better, like you're saying, he's gonna elevate someone. Chris, I'm I'm glad that he's playing a different role now because now we're gonna see him fight different guys as well. So we're it's it's a win-win, and you're right. Dax is probably the best wrestler, really, real wrestler. Yeah, Kenny Omega could do flips, this, that, blah, 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 oh, blah, yeah. blah. No. But yeah. a sound technical wrestler, I think AEW's, that's that's their very best. Yep. Nice. Well, man, last week we had our very first head-to-head Monday Night Wars, and I think we agreed Raw brought a little bit more of uh, a substance of a show, so we have them up technically two to nothing because they were unopposed the first week. Let's see what happens this week for... Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? Are we become assholes or something? Give me a hell Yeah. You're gonna get me. Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Has been paid for by the New World Order. Come on, Vince. Step into the ring. My God, the battle lines have been drawn! D-Generation X invades WCW tonight! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Have a nice day! I got you! Last week, Gorilla Monsoon decided to strip Goldust of the title for no reason whatsoever, even though Savio Vega was the one that cheated. (laughs) So we are going to be getting the rematch as Raw kicks off here this week. Um, And this is done on April 22nd. So we're talking, uh, well, today, right? That is uh, exactly what today is. It is. That worked out great. Look at us. Look at that. All right. Actually, no, it would be tomorrow. No, tomorrow. Yes. Sorry. 
Learn your math, bro. <laughs> anyway. Well, so Goldust, he gets his title back, now becoming a two-time Intercontinental Champion. This match, I feel like, was meh compared to the first one. I feel like because he already got that dusty finish, I think even the crowd knew that Goldust was going to win this match. Yeah, let's not forget this is the uh, go-home show for In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. Oh, very true. Uh, so, actually, I like this match a lot. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, I I understand where you're coming from with the, uh, you know, the last week tainting it and just being a repeat of last week. But I thought this one was really good. Uh, young Mike Kyoto is the referee in this one. Um, there is a, a mid match like uh, off to the side promo from Warrior. He calls it the belt, which I think is hilarious. Um. Austin and DiBiase come to the ring, and this is when you see, this is when Austin is starting to figure out what he wants to do because, and, and also interviews, I don't know if they mentioned it in the A&E one, he had watched a, a series on the Iceman, who's a contracted killer. They did mention yeah. it. This- and, that's, and, they, and, he, and he said the ice in his vase, and that's when you see that thousand-yard stare, almost like a pillman, where he's just like looking at the guy, and he's got that like almost Dexter Loomis-like look in his eyes. Um, and it's fucking great. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, th- I am going to kill you. Yeah. That was the look. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, Vega had a lot of great kicks, half spin back kicks, uh, looked like a million bucks. Uh, but between DiBiase and Austin and Marlena, uh, Austin hits Vega with the million dollar title. Goldust gets the win. Lawler did have a, a great line and he said something about, you know, got a purdy mouth. And then he went to repeat it, and Vince cut him off. He's like, don't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good vintage Jerry Lawler kind of commentary. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing that's great going back and watching this stuff is how awesome he was on commentary. Uh, but now they're also telling you that this Sunday it's going to be Goldust versus the Ultimate Warrior. Excited about that one. Excited to see how that one goes down. Uh, and then in the next match we have... Vader taking on Fat 2, Rikishi, later to be, you know. Vader no-selled pretty much everything. Everything. Uh, and then he did a, like, there was a Samoan top rope splash that he just completely no-sold. And then he did a Vader salt, but and that was it. Yeah, it was a squash. Still making him look strong. Yep. It was a squash. And then they have uh they show you that in Germany over the weekend, uh, Jake Roberts was taking on Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog comes in and attacks Jake Roberts. Looking like they're probably going to be leading towards a Bulldog-Jake Roberts fight at some point. Maybe we'll get it next week. Who knows? But in the main event match, whoo, Mankind defeats Eldo Montoya. Oh, you skipped, it. You skipped a couple. You skipped one. What I Let skip? me take you back. Well, first of all, I wanted to say on the the Das Click Cam, I thought that was hilarious because they were oh, in Germany. Oh, yes. Uh, but the Godwins took on Tajiri, Tim Patterson, Body Donnas, and Sonny got involved with that. Uh, not much to talk about, but I just wanted to throw that one in there. I did completely skip over it. Good call. But then Mankind did defeat Aldo Montoya. And I got to say, Aldo Montoya, he was just incredible. It was just... I see what you did. Thought you could slip it. (laughs) I thought you could slip that one past me, did you? Uh, All right. So 
What's great is I spent, I do it like this. I always watch Raw, then Nitro. Did you know if I had just flipped that, I wouldn't have had to even watch Raw? Because Bischoff came out and literally just read everything that we just said to you. Goldust gets his title back. Uh, Vader, he goes, beat Fat 2. Called him Fat 2. Um, he also called Goldust a transvestite. And said, and Mankind beat Aldo Montoya. Woo. <laughs> he spit that off in 30 seconds. I might not have had to watch Raw. And then uh, Mongo's there with his dog again. I guess we're going to have to keep talking about this it's, week. It's, gonna, it's, bringing that he, fucking dog. it's been there since October of 95. Yeah, it's been there since the first episode of Nitro. So get used to it. Well, I hate it. Yeah, I mean, And too. this week, his dog is wearing those uh, slinky-type eyeball glasses. <laughs> <sighs> and it amazes me. I'm like, how the fuck does he all of a sudden get into the Four Horsemen? I'm not understanding it. I go, because one day I blinked, and he was just in the Four Horsemen. That's how much I, I was know. watching Nitro back then. <laughs> hey. So I'm like, how does this happen? <laughs> We're going to get there. We are going to get oh, there. Oh, I can't wait. Um, But first match, Public Enemy took on American males, Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell. <laughs> I, or not even Buff, yeah. Marcus, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Bagwell. Yep. I forgot about that duo. Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny because uh, Rock of uh, Public Enemy actually did a lion salt, and it didn't look horrible. It was just out of... Uh, no, for his size, he could do them. Yeah. And, he was pretty good. And this is funny because, you know, they had their match with the Nasty Boys, the the trash fight the week before. This one was actually more of a, of a wrestling match. And you know what I do actually like about this? Not the gratuitous table spot at the end. Was a very ra- rarely seen rule being enforced that was specific to WCW. Yeah, and I have an issue with it, too. But go ahead. Please repeat it. So, I can't wait to talk about this. I, I literally have it, like, with stars <laughs> around this. And I go, I can't wait to talk I about this. I knew you go would ahead. want to talk about this. So correct me if I'm wrong. The rule is in a tag team match. If the legal man is thrown over the top rope, or maybe it applied to singles, too. Uh, if you go over the top rope like you would in a rumble, you lose the match. Mm-hmm. They only enforce it only so often. But... When they showed you the instant replay of it, it said pin of the week. And it shows him being thrown over the top rope and going through a table, and it said pin of the week. And I go, nobody fucking caught this? Are you shitting me right now? I was cracking up, and I go, yeah, we're talking about this one. <laughs> but yeah. So after this match, we're, we're starting to talk about Slamboree 96, because that's coming up, and that is going to be Lethal Lottery. I've talked to you before about how much I loved Battle Bowl. Battle Bowl originally was where they just drew Mm -hmm. two participants, two participants, tag team match go, winning team goes on to the Battle Royal at the end of the night. I'm not sure if that's how they're doing that with this exact one, Mm -hmm. but they are starting to make some pairings, and the first pairing... Wow, I can't believe of all the envelopes, all the wrestlers, they had the two biggest guys who are feuding over, well, Randy Savage's bank account. Randy Savage and Ric Flair are now going to be tag teaming at the Lethal Lottery Slambury pay-per-view. 
couldn't you make it a little more subtle? Like, start with another team besides that. It's like you just literally were like, well, we're going to put our storyline together here, folks. But they're going to be taking on Arn Anderson and... I can't... Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, that's who it was. Ooh. <laughs> Wrote that one under the influence. All right, anyway. um, <laughs> Which is going to be kind of a cool match to see, but... Can Macho and Flair coexist? We will find out. But speaking of Eddie Guerrero, ah, damn, we were treated to a match already here, man. Look, we're just getting started with the Monday Night Wars. And we we got Chris Benoit of the Four Horsemen yep. taking on Eddie Guerrero. Take us through the match. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, so, I mean, the chemistry is evident from the beginning. There was a couple small spots where they screwed up, and you could tell that they were good enough together to work through it. Uh, but you could almost see the disappointment yep. on their face. Just a couple small ones, but it was noticeable. Um, they've been together for about six months in WCW now. Uh, it, it was the best match of the night, hands down, so. and naturally it went through the break. So that was cool. Yep. And then uh, Benoit wins uh, by holding the ropes in the corner. You know, he's got his feet up in the corner, a dirty pen. And as soon as he wins, he rolls right out of there and uh, powders. So classic heel Benoit. That was a great It was match. funny because Bobby Heenan, they were like, well, uh, Heenan, they were like, well, he's held the rope. And he goes, well, he was falling. He had to hold on <laughs> to something. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to sell it. So. So I, uh, I, I want to go back. Awesome match. It was great. Uh, no, it was the match of the night again, hands down. Uh, I want to go back to the the, the bat, Battle Bowl thing. Uh, there's one thing. <laughs> mean Gene was with a couple young ladies. One of them was named <laughs> Cherry. Yeah, I have this later on, too. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll hit it back then. Um, no, 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 no. Please bring it no, up. No, no, I, this I got was... confused because... Oh, yeah, I guess maybe I didn't put it in there. Yeah, so he was with two young ladies, and one of them was named Cherry, who you would see at ringside throughout the night. Uh, and at one point, one, I mean, Gene puts his arm around one of the ladies, and if you want a textbook definition of old man creepy and I am uncomfortable, take a picture of this young lady's face <laughs> and put that next to the definition because that's exactly what it was. It was so uncomfortable. Mean Gene doubled down later on when they named more participants for the thing. And he goes, lady, so uh, what are we doing here tonight? What do we have going on? And the one girl goes, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and he goes, I still have a lot of extra money left over. <laughs> I go, what the fuck, dude? He went into real full-blown creepy old man mode. I wrote creep old man here. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was pretty bad to watch, but also really hysterical. Um, but in this one interview, he brings out Rob Garner, WCW <laughs> vice president, who brings out Macho Man, and they are saying that, you know, because last week he had to be handcuffed for his own good. And he said, Macho Man, if you do not quit doing what you're doing, there are going to be ramifications. Ooh, ramifications. That's a big word for a guy in a suit. Yeah. I, I fucking loved that whole thing. They're like, get out of his face. And he got more and more into that guy's face. I go, and he goes, I think you got to get, what do you say? Something like, you're going to get a five finger slap to the face or something like, man, he was, it, Macho was fired up 
on a guy in a suit. I've never seen him like this. This was awesome. Great promo. My favorite line was, I'm not going to beat City Hall. I'm going to blow it up. <laughs> oh, my God. That was an awesome line. The crowd went like, nuts for that line, too. You can't say that, Kenny. And yeah, seriously, you said that today. You know, you fucking get arrested. So, Right? Oh, yeah, excellent, excellent interview. Was it was the all intensity of him. But you can't go around doing it. I can't. Uh, I think I might. <laughs> Fuck. He was great. And now he's going to be the tag team partner for uh, Ric Flair. Oh, wonder if anything else will come of that later. <laughs> but uh, up next, were you shocked at the win in this match? Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeats Ming. I didn't say that incorrectly. I know. Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeats Ming. When Ming got in WCW, they treated him like a monster. What's crazy is if you go back and look at him, maybe it's because he was just tagging with Andre that he looked so little, but then when he got to WCW, I'm like, he really jacked up when he got over there. Yeah, man. Not, I'm not saying roids. I'm just saying he just got much bigger. Um, but Hacksaw goes out of the ring, takes a roll of tape, fists uh, roll uh, tapes up his fist, punches Ming right on top of the head. That's it. Yeah. One, two, three. That was it. What? They better be going somewhere with this next week. Yeah. I... That actually bothered me. I don't know why it bothered me so much. I was like, "Well, ah, this is gonna be a squash." I'm like, "Cause we knew the main event." is going to be all titles on the line, basically. So I was excited. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll blow through this match. I'm sure Duggan's probably just going to take a quick loss. I don't get the taped fist thing, but they tried selling it as a taped-up fist is more loaded right? because of all the weight. Sure. I don't sure. know. It's a uh, lazy booking. I don't know. Uh, it was just weird uh, booking. Yeah, I didn't get it. I mean, Mang looked great in the ring. You know, that's that's the one thing I wrote about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, Dugan didn't look bad either, really. Um, Did you call him Dugan? Yeah, Dugan, <laughs> Jimmy Dugan. Clap. Yeah. See, there you go. Um, now we're heading into the main event match. First, they show you an awesome promo, just talking about uh, Saturday night, this coming night, or this coming Saturday night. You're gonna have Benoit versus Alex Wright, and it all's at. 6.05 on TBS. I miss I love TBS that. doing everything at the 05. 05. I forgot all about that. I wonder that. if they still do. But I don't think so. But now we are our main event match has been heavily promoted all night. It is going to be all titles on the line as the tag team champions defend their titles, which is Sting and Lex Luger, against the world champion, Ric Flair. But also Luger is going to be defending his TV title. Basically, whoever takes the pin is, you know, or whoever gets a, a pin will win that championship. To me, I was like, well, Giant doesn't have a title, so I think it's pretty goddamn clear either he's going to take the pin or Flair is going to pin someone. Nope. They brought the, the coffee spot back again for the, this is like the third week in a same row. Same match, same competitors, same results. But different result. Well, not really. It was well, a DQ, of course. Yeah. But after the match got me pretty jacked up because 
Giant was pissed off because it was Flair that threw the cup of coffee into his face. And it seemed like Sting and Luger were goading him into doing it. And they, uh, was it, I think Mean Gene gets in the ring right after. Yeah. Interviews the Giant. And he says, next week, I'm coming for you, Ric Flair. I was like, ooh, we're going to get a match between them. Ric Flair is on the announcer's table or over at the announcer's table. And he goes, I'll give you to the end of this show to apologize. And next week, I won't kick your ass. And as soon as he says ass, Flair drops a mic. They don't even show Giant moving. Flair drops a mic and starts running because he's that scared already. <laughs> next week, we have a WCW title match between Ric Flair and the Giant. Hmm. It's fun to watch the old Giant, man. Like, yeah, right? Just because when you see what he's at now or what, what he's done in WWE, and you're like, God damn, this dude was young, man. Real, not like green, like couldn't go in the ring, but totally different guy. Totally different. Uh, giant with the night, uh, the line of the night. Uh, almost felt like it belonged in a Simpsons episode. Mean Gene goes to interview him, and Giant's all pissed off, wiping the coffee off his face. That coffee burned! He just said, like, coffee burn bad. It's fucking great. Hot water burn, baby. (laughs) Oh, there is uh, two things we can talk about. Uh, Savage came out to attack Ric Flair before the match, and Savage gets arrested. Again. Um, Mongo did step up a little bit this week. I thought he was still ineffectual. Thought he was still ineffectual (laughs) about it, man. Stop being such a bitch. Because he was. I mean, he's... (laughs) He was a habitual, habitual stepper. No, but he was at his announcer's desk, and he goes, "Well, you keep doing that, boy, and you're gonna—they're gonna be taking another guy away in cuffs." But you're right, you're talking shit, Mongo. But he is still face to face with your wife right now, showing his biceps. I love it. I think it's hysterical. Um, again, I got to see where they go. Is this what? Is this how Mongo gets involved? Is that how he becomes? Like, well, he ends up in the horseman, just makes him even more of a bitch. That's what I'm saying. So he's like, all right, you know what? I'll tell you what, Flair. I'll let you sleep with my wife if I could be in your horseman. Oh, there you go. That actually explains it. That's pretty interesting. I wouldn't put it past him. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe the, maybe this will be the original live sex celebration on Nitro. Yikes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for... Best there is, the best there was, and the best that there ever will be. Hold two, arm bar. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Hold three, the moss-covered, three-handle family credential. It's me, Austin. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. I didn't for the rock. This week's top topic. You know something, Mean Gene? John Cena. Wrestling's not fake. <laughs> the Rolex wearing what? Diamond ring wearing what? Kiss stealing. Woo! Wheeling dealing. What? Limousine right. What? Jet flying. What? Son of a gun. Woo! Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. If you smell. 
following ranking order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order, based off the professor and ODM made it. And as always, they like to let you know they have not worked in the business, but have been lifelong invested fans, much like you, our listeners. With not only their opinions involved, but with countless amount of hours of research done each week, they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up. However, they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs. If there is anything you want to chat about, bring to their attention. If there is something they missed or forgot, or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds, feel free to shoot them a message on Facebook or Twitter, or email them at the top of wrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. Come on, Kryptonite! Hang in there! Hang in there! He bet on the fucking horse! We're back. Top topic time. It's like being at the racetrack, right? You know what? One of my favorite things about wrestling is when they knock you, and I don't mean this in any pun of a way, my man, when they knock you on your heels, they throw you off, and someone turns heel. There's been some great heel turns in wrestling. Honestly, I'm a very big fan of a couple of them. One I even played as a hint, you'll even remember from, uh, I believe it was in season two, it was one of our short show openers, one of my favorite ones, and it even made a list today. Uh, so we are going to be talking the top 25 heel turns of all time in pro wrestling. Now, as you know, I mean, wait, is this our, yeah, this is our first real list of a top topic in season three. Because, I mean, you know, the first couple were just talking about WrestleMania and stuff, but now this is our real first list of season three. Are you ready to... You know, knock the cobwebs off. Uh, I think we can get through this. There's there's lots of shit to unpack. I saw the rankings. Eh, there's some ones I maybe switch up, but oh, ultimately a solid okay. list. Some uh, some hidden gems, some things some people might have forgotten about. So I'm excited to go through them. Absolutely. Uh, do you have an honorable mention? Because I know I do. Oh, definitely. There's there's always got to be at least a few honorable mentions. I mean, mine I think is uh is one that we'll never forget because it was so unique and it stood out on its own so much. Um, but it was just hard to contend with all the others. And I mean, that's the big show. Oh, that you're right. The time that he turned heel. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's a little different. Mine actually took place on SmackDown. Um, I can't remember the year, but it was, uh, it was the big show. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was crazy. Wow. I didn't know he turned heel twice. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, it's funny. It's well, funny because I, I, I do have uh, one more though. I do have one more I want to throw on. Actually, I, I think it was that same SmackDown that okay. you were talking about. Uh, you know, the one that you were talking about happened right at the beginning of the show. The one mine happened at the end of the show, uh, and it was the big show. But that's when he turned face. That's gonna be a completely right. different. Oh, episode. okay. I, actually, you know what? No, I had it backwards. I'm sorry. It was the main event the week before. That's what it was. Ah, that's right. God, he did so many in just like one day too. It was crazy. It's funny because like even when he was on Team Survivor Series, the night that Sting showed up, didn't matter what team he was on. I go, well, he's turning on whoever <laughs> team he's on, and fucking sure enough, he punched someone out. Uh, all right, for real. With our twenty-five, I had to actually do a tie because one came in my mind late, and I was like, it really got to make it in there. I mean, I didn't think it was an honorable mention worthy, I thought. So we're going to tie at 25, which is 
both in an NXT uh, setting. The first is from Chicago, 2017. How can anyone forget when DIY split up? And, I mean, that began Champa becoming really heavily booed. And what is it, eight, eight months later? Comes to the ring with not one song and everybody chanting, fuck you, Champa. You can't tell me that's not a badass heel turn when people are still that pissed off at you. Yep, it was awesome. In this day and yeah, age. Yeah, it was fucking great. <laughs> but tied with that actually took place a little over a year ago. It's when we saw the birth or the rebirth of the prince, Finn Balor, as he turned on said men DIY. Gargano and Champa on the first head-to-head NXT versus Dynamite Night, which I thought was pretty smart of WWE. Go out pretty strong, pretty smart that way, and who knows if he's even heel or face right now, Baylor. Uh, we'll see where he goes from here. But number 24, this one pisses me off. <laughs> it pisses everyone yeah, off, yeah. but... At the same point, you look at it and you're like, but it's one of the more memorable ones. It's when Austin sells his soul to the devil. And he is going to be aligning himself with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 17. It still pisses me off. It still bothers me. I still remember watching it and being like, dude, that didn't need to happen. You and Rock could have just fought it out in, in whatever way you want to. Even bringing the chairs in, but he did not need to go heel. That one pisses me off still. That's know. why it works, man. That's why it's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> Number 23. Actually, this one is kind of a piss-you-off one. I remember where I was, too, man. This is with traveling in the RV. It was one of the only campgrounds that actually gave you free cable. And I was like, woohoo! Putting on Raw tonight, baby. And on that exact night, the very first time I've watched Raw live in years at this point, Roman Reigns comes out, relinquishes the title, says his name is Joe, and that he has leukemia. And at the end of the show, Dean Ambrose turns on Seth Rollins. No one saw that coming. Even if you saw signs of Dean Ambrose doing it before, there's no way you were like, well, he's probably going to turn heel tonight after everybody just cried in the opening segment with each other. Nope. Dean Ambrose actually goes heel. (sighs) Didn't settle well with the crowd, but it also didn't settle well with Dean Ambrose. He wasn't a fan of doing that entire thing. One of the main reasons he's gone and on to bigger bigger and better Yeah, definitely. That's, That's for sure. Yeah, it was crazy uh, because they almost teased it like it was going to be Rollins again. You know? They, they did. And uh, yep. seeing Dean do it, yeah, that was something else. But it was a weird heel turn because then all of a sudden this is the, hey, man, he had it right. He had it right. Start wearing the face mask early. He was coming out wearing that biohazard type one. Yeah. Uh, number 22. I remember this very well. We are heading into uh, WrestleMania season, and we know that you know Hulk Hogan's going to need an opponent, but is Ultimate Warrior the one to drop the title to him? 
No. Let's get a heel to, to have to do that. So let's turn Sergeant Slaughter, the man from the 80s, the the good guy from the 80s, that they turned, they made a freaking like cartoon and everything out of. G.I. Joe, I had that figure. G.I. Joe, all of it, yeah. Turn him heel, and he turns on the USA, burning the U.S. Uh, not No, he, did he burn the U.S. flag? I don't think so, no, but he uh, joined forces. No, not the U.S. flag. I'm sorry. He burned the Hulkamania shirt. Right. That's what it and, was. I remember that was on a, a pole that looked like it was a flag hanging down. Join the forces with the but, Sheik. Man. Yeah, uh, Colonel Mustafa and General Adnan, the one that looked like Saddam Hussein and the one that I was like, everyone knows this is Iron Sheik, and their name not once ever mentioned. This is Iron Sheik. It's like Chainsaw Charlie. Let's let's not mention the fact that Hulk Hogan took the title from him years before. Yep. Let's not mention nah. that. Anyway. Why build off of something good? Coming in at number 21, this was... The, the writing could have been on the wall if you paid attention to it enough. Or it took you by surprise, depending on how you looked at it. Kind of got me by surprise. And I remember watching this pay-per-view. It was Lockdown, where Bully Ray is revealed as the Aces and Eights leader all along. He's been fending them off. He's been with Brooke Hogan. And he is going to be Hogan's son-in-law. Bully is just a good guy, but you're also like, ah, your name is Bully Ray. And, you know, like, you can't be trusted. And you really couldn't trust him. But it comes down to a world title situation, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. The title was vacant. And it was Bully Ray versus Jeff Hardy. Aces and eights come to the ring. Everybody's surrounding the ring. Bully Ray and Jeff Hardy are fending them off until Devon, who at this point seemed to be pretty much the leader of the aces and eights throws a hammer down to the ring for bully Ray to catch turns around and clocks Jeff Hardy in the back of the head wins the title. And then it's, I mean, you talk like such an awesome heel turn again, whether you bought that he was a face or not, he then is just yelling on one side of the cage to the other at Brooke. I fucking got you. I I made you believe that I loved you. Oh, my God. It was so good. And I got to say, that was probably the peak of some of their really, really good writing when it came to TNA or Impact or whatever. I loved. I thought Aces and Eights was pretty cool. Yeah, it had some NWO qualities and it had a lot of members and stuff. But it was also still very cool. And I thought it was a great opportunity to show that bully ray was a single star he didn't need to be in the dudleys at all times um did you actually get to see that one or 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 was this kind of part of your sabbatical no yeah this was part of my sabbatical i mean i didn't watch a whole lot of impact but um it's still a memorable one it definitely belongs to be in the list it's weird like you said it's the shock moment worked but when you look at the bigger picture i think it's spot on the list is appropriate yeah, but it was, it, again, yeah, you're looking at it, and what was great is it was that Bound for Glory event right before that was Hogan and Bully Ray, or maybe it was like Sting and uh, Bully Ray versus 
the other guys or something. And it was revealed that it was Devon. So like, it was a long time in the making that you're like, oh, it still isn't him. I guess I really should believe it. He's a good guy. They, they pulled you along just enough. What is it? Hook, line, sinker, right? That's what the, you try to get someone with. Yep. A lot of these, they get you. Let's go back to what is number 20 here. In 2018, Daniel Bryan makes a huge comeback return and is now wrestling at WrestleMania 34, teaming with Shane McMahon against Owens and Zayn. This guy, was it five years out of the ring? I believe it was. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, something like that. And, and, so this is huge. The crowd could not be behind him anymore. And he faces AJ Styles on an episode of SmackDown. And like many men before him, like Shinsuke Nakamura, <laughs> they kicked him in the dick. Don't forget, fuck it, poor AJ. I hope he's done having kids. And then don't forget, don't forget the uh, face stomping afterwards, where he grabs the arm and just started. Oh, yeah, it was oh, nasty. Loved it. But Daniel Bryan goes full heel, and he. This is the beginning of your Earth Champion, WWE Champion. That, that, this is the Hemp title that, that starts hemp coming title in. Was everything dope. That hemp title was dope. I don't care what you say. It looked amazing. I want him to win any title just so that he could turn it into a hemp one. Like, turn the Intercontinental <laughs> title one into that. I'd like to see what that looks like. <laughs> but that one took me by surprise. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> true story. Um, that, you know, again, this is all while traveling around the RV, but I have to come home every now and then for, for work. And I was in the hotel and I watched that match happen. And I remember just being like my jaw drops. I was like, are you kidding me? The other one that happened very special to that was I was in the hotel when Becky Lynch's nose was broken. Oh, no shit. Yeah, because you only get to watch Raw so live, uh, live so often. But if I'm in a hotel and I have an opportunity, hell yeah, I'm going to watch right. it. And both of those moments happen. I was like, I'm kind of lucky when I go. So sometimes when they're like, hey, you're coming to town. Ooh, man, what's going to happen this Monday on Raw? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, number 19, another one from TNA. And this one really got everyone by surprise. After Jeff Hardy bounced from WWE and he showed up on the very first ever TNA uh, Impact versus Monday Night Raw episode, he showed up uh, unannounced after, you know, just leaving WWE and he'd had all the drug problems and all these issues, shows up in TNA. Crowd is hot for him. Of course, a, a former world champion in WWE. And Jeff turns heel, joining with Hogan and Bischoff at Bound for Glory 2010 in a match that was with Kennedy and Kurt Angle. No one saw that coming. But the funniest thing is, the whole tagline for Bound for Glory is, they're coming, they're coming. And then there's a sign that they're here. And it was, it was, that's how Immortal got big, or uh, be, was created. Never thought Jeff Hardy would ever turn heel and go that. I mean, everyone loved him. He was so marketable. Why would you turn him heel? And he has his own title and everything. It was pretty awesome. And then, you know, Victory Road. That's something. Yeah. 
Number 18. Man, I want you to talk about this one. Old Chomper McGee himself. Man, you know. <laughs> Old Chompers. <laughs> well, listen, man. It's it's the John Cena treatment, right? It's we always wanted heel reigns just because if we're gonna hate this guy, let's get, give us a, give us a reason, make it part of the storyline. And the closest that I feel that we ever really got prior to that was the night the the Raw after Mania, where he beat the Undertaker, and it was like two minutes straight of mm. thank you Taker chance. Roman comes out, the most deafening booze maybe next to you know Champa, sits in the stands in the ring. Holds the mm-hmm. mic up. And that night we got fuck you Roman. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> They're doing the fuck you Roman chants. And every time he put it, the, the mic to his lips, the booze get louder. He'd pull it away. He did that three or four times. That was like a, It was like five minutes from the beginning of thank you taker chants to Reigns actually saying something in the middle of the ring. And all he says is, this is my yard now. And he drops the mic and he leaves. It's the best promo of his career. Not one word from the announcers, not yep. one word from a wrestler. It was all crowd for the first several minutes. You're right. But but that's the closest I we got. I love that he even went like this. He, he he looked at his hand and pointed to it. Yeah. Being like, I got you guys in the palm of my hand. Because he kept lifting the mic and yep. like goating him in. You know what I mean? But that was the first and only time we'd ever see him get that close. Right. To being heel. You're right. That That's a great moment. But right after that, he was booed. But he was still doing face things. Oh, absolutely. So it was kind of like Cena. So you were like, oh, God, you were going to be a heel for a second, but you were just being a cocky person, and you still love the fans. Fuck you, Roman. Really? Fuck you. We hate you. And then SummerSlam 2020. Did you see it coming? No, hell no. Hell no, I did not see that coming. Awesome. It was awesome because I was like, eh, yeah, I'll watch this match, whatever. I mean, it's SummerSlam. You got to watch it. You know, it's a, the big four. You got to watch them. It's the best ending to that SummerSlam or that SummerSlam could have possibly had. And yeah, he's been great as heel, tribal chief himself. By the way, he's the only chief to have won in that Bucks stadium. Yikes. Take that in. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, two yikes. Wow, we're going to have to get a bumper for three. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I read that the other day online because obviously the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers, yeah. but he's the tribal chief. He's the only chief. That I broke it down too much. You okay. did. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Number 17, the big show. No, I'm sorry. Oops, read that wrong. Uh, number 17 is, oh, this was great. I remember the lead up to this as well. Scott Steiner. Turns on his brother Rick in 1998 and joins the NWO. Weeks prior was the black and white video of Hall and Nash running them and X Pac running the Steiners off the road in their vehicle in the car flipping over. How they did the whole thing, I will never understand. I swear to God, like the, it was a very well done video. Um, so you're like, okay, yeah, well, that's. They have a lot of grudge, and you know. But then Scott, as they do the infamous, uh, where uh, Rick gets down to the wrestler's position, Scott kind of runs around him a couple of times, and usually stands behind him, puts his hands right on him. Yep. And what does he do? Jumps up and down, uh, jumps up, and then lands right on Rick's back, taking him out. 
And that was pretty much one of the very last times we'd ever see Scott Steiner with black hair. Because from there on out, he became bleached-haired Big Papa Pump Holla, if you hear me! I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not. That's, that's a I'm not pretty doing epic it. heel turn when you really. Think it was. About, no, yeah. Please don't do that today. No, <laughs> it was. <laughs> there was a uh, yeah. Go back just when you get to see the, the the Steiner. You remember the Steiner line and you know the Frankensteiner and you know and the thing is you know Scott was Scott was still pretty. He was still pretty jacked back then. I just don't think it was as bad as when he was uh, Big Papa Pump. But yeah, man. Yeah, Steiners were awesome. Hell yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, who man, 1994, 16. Number 16. Mm-hmm. This is the well, night you were that 16. Owen Hart kicked <laughs> Bret Hart's leg out of his leg. <laughs> Owen turns quote. on Bret Hart. I love that quote. That's an amazing quote. Uh, Owen turns on his brother because Bret can't compete in a tag team match or continue well enough against the Quebecers. And now Owen says, well, fuck you, brother. It all started at the Survivor Series 93. They were kind of, they were starting to really uh, plant the seeds there. And then Owen goes full blown heel at Royal Rumble. And of course, leading to WrestleMania 10. Very memorable. I love that one. Uh, Coming in at number 15. This is the one I was alluding to a little while ago. This is the one that opened one of our shows with audio last season. It's one of my favorite ones of all time. And since I played the audio, I'm not going to go too in-depth, but it is when Ring of Honor uh, had announced CM Punk is going to be having his final match when he faces Austin Aries, the world champion. What happens when you leave a company, ODM? You go out on your back, right? What should be happening? But Punk wins the title. The crowd is going apeshit. They're there because they're saying goodbye to a pioneer of Ring of Honor. And he's now officially going to be going on to WWE. And after he wins the title, he's celebrating with the crowd. And it's the greatest thing ever. And it's the best championship and then he just basically shits on the crowd and says he didn't need anybody all along. He's been a snake. He's that one that you can't trust a snake. Um, and that began the summer of punk where he just kept showing up to places with the title saying he's taking that title to WWE when he leaves. Hmm. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah. In number 14, well, it's the big show. Oh, no, 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 no. Number 14 is when Triple H at WrestleMania 15 really put the nail in the coffin, I feel like, when it came to DX. I really feel like, uh, you know, after, I think, summer of 98, DX was starting to fizzle out a little bit, and some members were getting bigger than others. And it started to show a little bit of dissension there. And at WrestleMania 15, Triple H officially quits and joins the corporation where China has been for the last couple of months as well. Um, Or at least, I believe, maybe since earlier in the night. I can't remember. No, I I think it was just since earlier in the night. They both turned and ended up going into uh, the corporation. This is really beginning now 
the game because this is 1999. This is March of 99 when that WrestleMania happened. And we know in just mere months in August, he's going to, on Raw, beat Mick Foley for the title. So this is this heel turn at WrestleMania. For the reason of what's going on, huge heel turn, and it makes a, a big difference, really, when it comes to wrestling history. Anything from you on that one, sir? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, DX was such a big thing, and it's the whole... I mean, I, I it's you can't compare it to, to the Austin thing, but it's similar, and here's this guy that's, you know was kind of a prick at first, and then he was our guy, and now he's with the man-man. So, I mean, it's it's memorable for that reason. You're absolutely right. It does change the well, way things happen, and it really writes his legacy from there on out. Like, he already had a good, you know, no pun intended, pedigree, but, you know, this is where he really starts cementing his foothold, and uh, you like that? You like that, don't you, bitch? That was amazing. Uh, that was a good one. Well, it's funny you said you know he's aligning himself with the man, and that who that's actually who comes in at number thirteen. The man, no, not Becky Lynch. We're talking about the man himself, Vince McMahon. And in nineteen ninety seven, you know, we were starting to get the hints of oh, man, maybe this guy does own the company. They've been making a little bit of hints towards it uh, on Raw, you know. Hart's getting pissed at McMahon for shit, saying, you know, this is bullshit after that cage match and all things like that. And so it's really starting to point signs that maybe Vince is in charge around here. And then he comes out with the infamous Brett screwed Brett. Like you just took down Canada and really, even though America was shitting on him for the longest time, the moment. That you called for the bell, he instantly became a face back in the eyes of every wrestling fan. And you just made yourself the biggest fucking heel in the world. I mean, you can't tell me anybody was more hated than Vince McMahon from 97 to 99. Not one wrestler was more hated than Vince McMahon that I could actually think nope. of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it that heel turn is... it's crazy and and what's even weirder is that it's followed along by his daughter stephanie mcmahon this one i didn't see coming i don't think anybody in their right mind saw this one coming just a couple weeks prior test and stephanie mcmahon are in the ring they're about to get married out comes triple h showing the infamous video of a knocked out stephanie drive through chapel marrying triple h <laughs> would you like to do you take this man oh yes i do i love i laugh at that every time um and then the you know the infamous to the you know is vince's uh running off i hate you how many did we how many times did we consummate the marriage man holy shit Creepy. yeah that's some strong heel work right. there Wait, 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 wait. And at Armageddon 99, Stephanie, you were behind this the whole time. You were in on this. She turns on her father in a no-holes-barred match between Triple H and Vince, revealing that she was with Triple H the whole time. 
I remember watching that and still just like no one said shit in the room. I remember like not even like a, oh, it was more like a, huh? <laughs> uh, didn't she just get raped? <laughs> Pretty sure you admitted that on, on, on TV. All right. Lying ass bitch. Teach their own. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. Well, number 11. This was probably one of the more memorable ones, I would say, in the last 10 years when it comes to WWE. Um, obviously, because it's this well onto the list. But no one saw it coming because they were pre- they were predicting the wrong member to turn heel. Yep. Now, after WrestleMania 30, Batista is still sitting around with his contract. And well, what are you going to do? Well, let's reform Evolution. And Evolution in the Shield had two awesome banger of matches. One was at Extreme Rules. The other one was at Payback. Um, amazing, amazing matches. That's actually where Blue Tista was originated, by the way. Yeah. But after... Evolution fails twice, and Batista quits on Raw. Triple H says he always has a plan B. And, not the pill, but what's crazy is everyone thought it was going to be who? Dean Ambrose. Exactly. I would have even taken Roman Reigns before Seth Rollins. Seth takes the chair, hits Roman in the back, then takes out Dean Ambrose. Never saw it coming. And this is this is back when I was actually still watching Raw on a pretty regular basis live, too, man. I remember this whole thing happening. And this was one of those ones where you're like, you got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it was great. It's it, it, I remember this is actually probably when your kick was just starting to get back just in. Just so. starting, yep. Uh, yeah, right around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It was insane. Uh I think you nailed it. The camera work was good on it too. I I would be interested on what the perspective was live, uh, you know. But they kind of already had the chair in Rollins's hand as a prop, and yeah, just and Ambrose selling the because reaction he was, was going to be fending off whatever evolution, right? And uh, a- Ambrose's reaction was great, just like the the fuck did you just do, man? So and uh, you know we got a pretty good yeah. we got a pretty good heel run after that with uh, what was it like the J and J security, yeah and uh, you know his little thing with John Stewart was hilarious the money you know? in the bank he had yeah. it was a good run yeah oh god I forgot about John Stewart. yeah he showed Holy up on the shit. Daily Show yeah. once that was fucking hilarious and then but the funny part is that he had the same treatment as everybody else if you get hurt. And you fight to come back to the business that we love watching, you're automatically a face again. We just love oh, you, yeah, like definitely. no matter what. He came back, and he was going to be a face no matter how he looked at it. Uh, it's it, I've I loved that heel turn again. Wasn't ready for it. I'd like when you get me when I'm thinking it's one guy, but it's the other. That's that's cool. Um, they then they always used to do that kind of like um, I think we actually just recently talked about this one not too long ago, but. Lex Luger and Tatanka with SummerSlam 94. Tatanka kept blaming Lex Luger, being like, you're the one that's going to turn and go into uh, Million Dollar Man's corporation. You're going to go into his corporation. You're going to be with him. You're going to be with him. And then Tatanka fucking turns heel all along. You're like, oh, you got me. That was good. 
I, I will take it. Now, coming in at number 10, this is just going to be the first of many of guys that like to do this apparently to this guy, but this is when Paul Orndorff betrays Hulk Hogan. And this is actually heading pretty much right into when WrestleMania 1 is about to begin and all that's going to be kicking off. Uh, number 9 in the more recent history, this one, personally, a favorite of mine, not just because it's another one by CM Punk, Mark! but it's when and how. Yeah, it's when and how he did it. Did it at Raw 1000 by turning on The Rock. Because Rock just said that he's coming back and he's going to win the championship. Man, fuck you, Punk. I, 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 punk I, as Punk, I, I'm the champion. What are you What are you coming and saying you're going to take my title for? And as far back as I was trying to think in that time, and I still really can't remember many of it, name a time when someone was a champion. They were the world champion. They were a defending world champion. And as a champion, they turned. Doesn't happen often. Do you know what I mean? Like once, sure, if you're yeah. a heel champion, you won't become a face again until you at least drop that. Or like no one turns heel while being the world champion. He did it that night as a world champion, as he's had it for at this point, he had won it in November. And now we're in July or August, whenever that uh, Raw 1000 was. Just saying, it was different and that's why I liked that heel turn and honestly turned in some of his it turned into some of his best work that brings in Paul Heyman as his advocate at that time and then we got completely different matches between Punk and Cena um, or even any of the other guys it was just it was a great run number eight this one is another one that they they dangled in front of you for just a couple of minutes that The Rock is going to be a, a face officially. He has been uh, corporate, or no, I'm sorry, not corporate. He's been nation of domination, people's champ, but the smart mouth cocky guy. And, and, and in SummerSlam 98, he loses his Intercontinental title to Triple H. You see him start to feud with the nation then you see him feud with McMahon on Raw now Rocky is a face now we have two faces going at it for the vacant WWF championship as the Rock takes on Mankind at Survivor Series Deadly Games 1998 some mere two months after he loses his Intercontinental title so as we said as a face you know once you get that one turn here you go and god damn it they got us Vince calls for the bell. Rock was in on it all along. And Shane with the very infamous, ladies and gentlemen, the corporate champion, The Rock. Again, I remember where I was. People were happy because he won the championship. Also really pissed. Like, come on, man. Like, you just got to be a good guy. I can finally cheer for you. But... God damn it, Rock got you. That was that was a really good heel turn. And that's when now you have him facing Mick Foley, and he's going to be dropping the title to Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 15. So that was a – and he stayed heel, let's see, all the way until I would say probably mid-'99. And then 
Yeah, then Jericho shows up. He fights Billy Gunn. So he had a good solid year or so as a as a strong heel, but he was too hard to hate. Yeah, he was too funny in the ring. You know what I mean? Like, er, like not just as wrestler. Obviously, I'm talking like his interview. The opposite of how do you Roman boo Reigns. the guy that mocks everybody? Yeah. yeah. Um, number seven. It's the second guy to turn on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And we've talked about this. We talked about it in our very first season when we talked about the best of Saturday night's main event. The mega powers explode as Randy Savage turns on Hulk Hogan because he carried Miss Elizabeth on the back and you got lust in your eyes, Hogan. And it's one of the more dramatic things I feel like that wwe had ever done at that point like everything was just like match 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 promo interviews things like that you know like, right. but now you got someone in the back they're on a gurney hogan's fucking on his knees crying right now this is crazy and then macho hits him with the title brutus gets involved hogan goes ape shit going through the entire back looking for him that was totally different but for savage to go heel I mean, he already had been a heel prior to all this, but once he won that world championship at WrestleMania four, he was best friends of Hogan. I don't think anybody really saw that he was going to become a heel again. Sure, you're jealous that, you know, Hogan's touching your girl, but you're just that guy, right? Man, that was a great heel turn. I remember as a kid hating Savage just for that reason. Absolutely. It worked. I mean, it completely worked. He was just being nice. (laughs) All right. Oh, man. Number six, this is one I don't think anybody, there is no one that could have ever said they saw this coming. And I'm hoping as we're unraveling through our Monday Night Wars, maybe we'll see some writing on the wall, but I'm really curious to see if there ever was any. Paul Bearer turns on The Undertaker, striking him in the head with the urn. I, it was just why it you never saw it coming obviously he aligns himself with mankind and, and you know all that stuff but you know like sometimes you get a little bit of writing on the wall kind of like that savage thing we talked about or maybe even uh punk was pissed that rock mentioned he's going to be the champion you know like there's a little writing on the wall never ever would have thought paul bear would turn on the end came out of nowhere man, and it was it did but it kind of makes you wonder who pushed for it in the back? You know, because they obviously got back together again many times. He was a part of the Ministry of Darkness with him, and then he turns on him again when he's with Kane, and then he gets back together again. You know, it was back, forth, back, and forth, wish-washy storylines. But who the hell's idea was it to take the Paul Bear, the mortician, and take him away from a dead man, an undertaker? God. Never mind. It was a great match, too. That was the boiler room match. It was another innovative thing, too, at that time. That's, ooh, I can't wait to get into that kind of stuff. You want to talk with us about number five? Because this is just one of the craziest ones of all time that everybody still references. Yep, this is, I mean, I remember this, too. I was a big Rockers fan back in the day, and the dissension starts to grow. And uh, on one of the most, one of the more famous, uh, not backstage, but, uh, you know, more towards the entrance ramp area, staged shows it was uh the barbershop bruce beefcake 
Uh, you know, they kind of clear the air. It seems like everything's all copacetic. And then next thing you know, sweet chin music to Janetti, who goes headfirst through the barbershop window. Great visual, great sound. It was just a great clip. And then, you know, Michaels just pulls him out and just beats the shit out of him. Um, this one, I feel like, was a little, you know, at at the age that we were at the time, you didn't see it coming. But looking back at the whole lead up, you know, it, it, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, Michael's breakout pretty much. Oh, I saw writing on the wall. They were trying to break them up, and they showed that Michaels was being a pissy guy through some of the matches and stuff. And I was a very avid uh, superstars. I mean, it was on Fox every Saturday morning. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was my jam. And superstars could be touch and go. You know what I mean? It could be like 15 squash matches or like some really big things happen, some big interviews, right? Especially like once like a pay-per-view starting to show up at that time when there was only four, you're like, I really got to start paying attention. Yeah, right. This one was out of nowhere. It was one of those ones, like, if you missed it, you were pissed. But they re-showed it on everything for weeks after. But you could see that Michaels was starting to turn on, on Janetti. My favorite uh, visual is him ripping, and I own this magazine. When he rips that magazine in half that has the rockers back-to-back, and it shows him splitting up, and he holds up just Shawn Michaels' picture. Him, as in Shawn yeah. doing this. And he's like, this is the only one that's ever going to matter. I actually have that magazine, and it's really funny that I, that he rips it in half. And it's just a great visual, like, throwing him through the window. And, I mean, how many people are talking about nowadays, well, which one's the Shawn Michaels, which one's the Marty Jannetty of this crew? You know what I mean? When it comes into a tag team. And then you, you, then it's, well, is he going to throw him through the window? It's just, that was a very infamous Never been done again thing, and I hope no one ever redoes it again. Yeah, there's no, well, yeah, the Bucks tried to do it on their, you know, but that's a different story. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's a you know what, you know, I was gonna say you could redo is you know, like how you always have like film remakes, and it's like, oh, this could be better than the other, or yeah, certain things you don't redo, right? Yeah, You're not gonna absolutely. redo that rockers thing, you can't redo it, but you know what, you could do. You could do the debut of Shockmaster. You could have someone else come through a wall very easily. I'm just it's saying, a like, just different, but yeah. erase that from our memories, man. I don't even care if it's a fucking Kool Aid guy. Uh, that'd be great. Oh yeah! All right. Well, number four. This is a infamous turn. It was the double turn. We've mentioned it many times. This is the night that Steve Austin turns face, but. We're talking heel turns. You needed someone to to meet him in that dance. And, man, did Hart ever go heel. Now, I mentioned it earlier about the Vince McMahon thing where he throws him down after that cage match and he says, this is bullshit. He gets all mad. We're starting to see the tension where you're like, wow, he's really becoming a, a, a whiny bitch, and I'm not sure I really like him anymore. <laughs> and then he goes dirty heel tactics on Austin to the point where we all watch Austin bleed hard in the sharpshooter that we feel for Steve Austin now. And we hate him because now after he's won the match by knockout, even though it was supposed to be an I quit match or a Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Shamrock called it. Shamrock called for it. The, the exact moment that you knew he was an official heel 
was when Shamrock flips him off of him. He has to grab him and throw him off. And you're like, only heels have to be pulled off of people. You know what I mean? And that, and he's walking to the back, flipping everybody off. I, you see him say fuck you to someone in the crowd. I was like, ooh, this is something you've never seen before. And next night on Raw cuts that promo of, um, to all my fans in Germany, thank you. I love you. To all my fans in Canada, to that, blah, 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 blah. To my fans in the U.S., I apologize for absolutely nothing. Well, that's a way to get things started. So we have this actually written as Bret Hart turns on everyone and the USA at WrestleMania 13. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty accurate headline. Absolutely. There's a new... All right, so coming in at number three. This is trying to be redone right now. We talked about it somewhat recently. Cody is trying to do it with QT Marshall in AEW, and it's Larry Zabisco betrays Bruno San Martino. Larry was under Bruno's wing, kind of much of the same as the QT Marshall situation, and when he betrayed him, it was extremely... It, it, it sent shockwaves through the wrestling world back then because... You don't turn on Bruno, man. Like, the Bruno is, the, at this point, he's Babe Ruth of wrestling. Still probably is to this day. Yeah, pretty if you much. had to really say a Babe Ruth, I, I he'd be the first name probably in my head. A lot of people would probably say Hulk Hogan, but oh. I say without Bruno San, San Martino, there was never a Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. But that's a very, very big heel term. Coming in at number two. Well, that's weird. Someone else turned on Hulk Hogan. Hmm. It's a big show. <laughs> oh, nope, 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 nope. It was his father. <laughs> no. But that's what WCW tried to portray him as. But we all remember Piper's Pit, where Andre the Giant aligns himself with Bobby Heenan and rips the cross off of Hulk Hogan in that freaking mitt of a hand while grabbing Hogan's cross cuts his chest while ripping that cr- that cross off. I love that moment, and that's I mean that leads to, of course, WrestleMania three, where Hogan will defend his title against Andre the Giant, and Andre remained heel pretty much the rest of his career, minus when he officially turned on Bobby Heenan towards uh, the end. But that's when he was you know couldn't really move unfortunately that well, yeah. barely able to walk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember this one very well. One of my favorite ones of all time. Coming in at number one, you knew it was going to be the big show. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, baby. <laughs> no. You know what's funny, though? Hang on, let me ask you this question. With Monday Night Wars teaming with Flair, but then now he asked Flair for a title match for next week on Nitro, did he just technically turn face? Kind of, yeah. Oh, my God, it's the <laughs> first one. It's the first one. It's the first show turn. Holy crap! Wow, we we're gonna. We, I think we're gonna witness history. This is amazing. Oh god! All right, number one. I gotta be honest. This is probably it. It's a funny heel turn because this guy was being booed for probably almost six months to a year solidly before turning heel. But when he turned heel. People were like, well, hey, we want to boo you. We don't want you to want us to boo you. Why I say that? Hulk Hogan 
joins the NWO and becomes the third man, joining the Outsiders at Bash of the Beach 96. Like I said, the entire year prior, people were booing him. No one gave a shit about him. They, They were over it. But when he came in and joined the NWO, people were so pissed. This is one of the very first times ever that I've ever seen people throwing every bit of trash that they have near them at their seat into the ring. It's Cups, insane. plates, everything. Oh, my God. People were so pissed off at this heel turn. Mean Gene's getting just yeah, that was doused insane. with yeah, he got, uh, he got hit a couple with times. Pepsi or beer or anything. One, oh, one, my God. One guy came to the it's, ring. One guy tried to get in the ring. That's right. That's how upset people were. This was honestly, it's one of those pay-per-views I really, really do wish I was able to watch. And I wasn't able to um, live, which is great because it's part of our Monday Night War. So I get to officially really see it, you know, in the order of things. But when it happened, that's on a Sunday night. Your only hope in 1996 is to turn on Nitro. I didn't want to do the dial-up and wait for all that shit. I didn't have a CD with a 1,000 hours on it. So I had to wait for Nitro to get started. And back in the day, they used to show you stills. They wouldn't show you video because if you didn't buy the pay-per-view, you're not getting to see an actual video footage of it. And they open up, and it wasn't even the stills. It was the announcers just in disgust. And they are pissed off because Hulk Hogan has turned his back on WCW. It was one of the very first times I remember I was like, oh, I wanted to get that paper. <laughs> like, I really wish I did. Oh, my yeah, God. Think, yeah, that's, yeah. It's like one of those moments in history. You wanted to be there. You didn't want to find out later. Yep, absolutely. And that's one of them, unfortunately, I had to find out later. But, dear God, could there have been anybody else that would have pissed off anybody else? Sting was supposed to be a possibility, but they were teasing it on Nitro. Luger was like, you're going to be the third man, aren't you? Blah, blah, blah. So now we're already thinking about this in our mind. Direction. No one thought Hogan because he's been off TV. Right. Man. It was perfect. Good shit. Absolutely perfect. Oh, that was our top 25 heel turns of all time. In two weeks, we're going to be having another top topic, and that is going to be the top 25 defunct TV shows of all time. We've been, we've actually promised this one like four or five times, but other things came up. We were supposed to do it and like COVID came up last year. So we had coronavirus mania. <laughs> we've had many times we were supposed to do this list, but we are finally doing it in two weeks. Defunct TV shows. Think about it. Nitro is a defunct TV show, but so is primetime wrestling challenge superstars. You got WCW Saturday night, all those Great types of shows. We're going to be bringing them up in just a couple of weeks. Next week, we will be back with NWA's uh, good shit. We know he'll have some stuff for us. And we'll even have another movie for you. But as you know, if you are listening to us, as you know, we really appreciate any subscribes, likes, and shares that you guys can do for us. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, especially if you're listening on Amazon Music, Pandora, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play Music, iTunes, your mama's radio. I don't know. Anyway, 
really appreciate you guys listening to us again. We hope to hear you, or well, we hope you guys will join us again next week. But as you know, ODM is going to leave us not only with our movies movie quote of the week, but he's also going to do it in the style of Finn Baylor. Oh, God damn it, I knew it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Hold on. Oh, man. I can't wait. I don't even know what he has for a quote. It's, you have to do it in Finn Balor's voice. Sometimes in the heat of passion, the little head tells the big head what to do. And the big head should think twice about what you're doing. God, I'm Irish. The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing, the analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com.